and I'm doing it in the... Hello! Here we are. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Mary Ardania, and this is Let's Become a Beloved Society, Conversations Illuminating Your Path to Wholeness. So I thought I'd start out today's conversation with a little um, overview of where we find ourselves, because there have been a lot of different difficult conversations that have taken place this past week uh, between various people dying, between the war, um, in our own homes. A lot of us are struggling and having difficult conversations. So the conversations that we're interested in having here with our friends and viewers are intended to take us to the place where normally people say, we don't talk about that, right? We've lived, uh, I've lived my entire life in, in a world where people are constantly saying, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. And I'm sure in your own families, uh, Mary and I were discussing this before we came live, that uh, there are oftentimes there are family members that we don't talk about, right? We don't talk about why Aunt Judy uh, is is a spinster or has a, a girl roommate. We don't talk about, uh, you know, Uncle Bob. Uh, all kinds of things we've been told throughout our lives, we don't talk about those things. The thing that brought it real clear to me, hello, Amber. Amber's joined us on YouTube, it looks like. Great Hi, to have you here. Um, the thing that brought it very clear to me is I live in Alaska, as some of you know, and uh, our House of Representatives uh, representative passed away this past week, uh, Don Young. He'd been in the House of Representatives for 49 years, 49 years for the 49th state. So it did seem like a, a very um, mystical way for, uh, for him to choose to go uh, in his 49th year serving oh. for the 49th state. The thing about Don Young is he's done a lot for Alaska. There's absolutely no question and no one will argue that. But what you know, if you ever met him or... Uh, and there are some people who may not have had this experience, but I personally have met him, and uh, he was uh, he was not a very nice person quite often. Uh, when the interaction I had with him, I was working at a hotel, and he was uh, quite mean and, and a bully. He uh, traumatized a whole high school of students in Palmer one year, making comments uh, after a, a recent student there had committed suicide. And it was really those students' comments that made it so clear to me that society is changing. What's being called forth here from us is a new level of truth and transparency that we have not engaged in in the past. So there's a... a pretty popular saying, we don't speak ill of the dead. It got used a lot last week. <laughs> Here's the problem with that saying. When you can't speak the truth about the dead, you've backed yourself into a corner and you're not being honest and your vibration and your frequency are not resonating at the highest level they can be. Remember, we're all divinity here. We're all divinity in form, each and every one of us. He was as divine as anyone else. He just chose to behave in ways that did not reflect his divinity to everyone. So the question becomes, you know, to what level do we give accolades? We've seen history unfold where we've uh, built statues to people who were heroes in one way 
and monsters in other ways, horrible in other ways. So what's being birthed here, and this is why it may feel difficult as you're moving through life on a daily basis, is that these ground level foundations of the way we've always been are changing. And the younger people in, that are growing up are not so willing or tolerant of these old fashioned morals that we've adopted. It's like they're not playing this game. They right. see through it and they're not playing it and who can blame them? It's that thing where why play a game that's stacked against you anyway? It's like this game is designed and so that a lot of people are just going to lose and the young people are seeing that it's like the game is rigged and it's corrupt and they want no part of it. Right. Which is very cool. Right. Right. A another piece of it, and uh, Amber is chiming in, thank God for the youth. And uh, I agree, Amber, thank God for the youth. I'm also a bit embarrassed, right? Because in my life, I really thought my generation was going to be the generation that changed things. Yeah. The truth to the surface. Yeah. And the fact that we're having to look to generations beyond us is heartbreaking because I feel as if in, in some way we've let humanity down. Yeah. It certainly looked like a sea change was happening and it certainly changed in some ways, but in other ways there was a promise I, that didn't get fulfilled. I, I think that in one way, it's just a bigger job than any of us realized. That's probably true, yeah. Um, I was, uh, I had lunch with a friend yesterday who celebrating her birthday and she's about the same age as I am. And um, I think we both shared that sense of, you know, we, we, we both have known that we were here for a purpose. And, uh, you know, things happen in life and you think, you know, oh, it, you know, maybe the time has come and the time has come. And to me, the time has been coming now for years and years. And I kept thinking that we were there. And uh, this morning I had the sense that we're not even close. Like we still have so much more to go before we really bring the truth to the surface for everyone to see and that everyone accepts and believes because that's the other tricky part, right? Is that there is sort of an ultimate truth. And yet for each of us, we have our own personal truths. Like what's true for me about my childhood is not true for Mary or for anyone else listening. What your childhood was was is what's true for you and so each of us have an experience of our own personal truths and yet there is i want to say a finite truth that we're all uh working towards so i put amber's comment up there i think our generation made a dent which i agree um, the thing that has been hard for me, I think, was seeing how some of the people who were part of the change in those days then, like, backed out, you know? Like, thinking of one of my brothers, for instance, who, you know, was a, a peace-love hippie and then, you know, became, like a war hawk Republican type person. And it's like, I mean, seeing that has been disappointing to me, but then I have to remember that it's not linear, you know, it's, it's, you know, the pendulum swings, but ultimately it's, it's more spirally than that. 
that's how I see it changes a spiral and it's not just a linear progression. So that's all I have to say right now. <laughs> you can take it away. <laughs> <clears throat> um, let me say for the uh, listeners who are, are with us live, uh, feel free to call the studio phone at 907-351-3003 if you'd like to join the conversation live. Uh, if you uh, want to join us on camera, you can put a comment in and I can uh, send you a, an invite and you can join us right here on the live stream. Uh, or you can come in on the phone and be in speakerphone. Or you can uh, join us on the Zoom and the, that meeting ID is 886-8976-8646. Again, 886-8976-8646. So you would connect to Zoom however you connect to Zoom. Right. And then, and then that's join, the meeting ID. And join the meeting no, and that's the meeting ID. Right. And there's no password or waiting room. You'll come right in. Well, you have to like verify something. I think you says, have to be logged in to Zoom. You have yeah. to have used Zoom in the past and have an account. That is the one yeah. uh, piece of criteria. Uh, but if you don't have that, then just call in on the phone. Yes. You know, one of my favorite shows tv shows to watch of all time is frazier oh yeah and if you're not familiar with that show he's a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist with a radio show and uh he always starts his show with uh i'm listening so uh, obviously a different format than what we're taking here but i feel like with all this social media it would be nice to offer a place where people could ask their questions in a more anonymous way, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you're signed into YouTube and you're watching like Amber is, we can see her name and anybody I think watching could see those conversations in the live stream right now. Um, and so maybe you don't want to be quite so transparent with your own identity and that's okay. That's okay. If you have a question you want to ask, just give us a call or or um, uh, yeah, or text. You can text to that number as well, 907-351-3003. Um, yeah, so but we're uh, definitely eager to hear from you. We really absolutely. are. That's part of the vision of this of this thing is that we want it to be a conversation not just between Linda and me but with you as well so right please you know feel free we would love it <laughs> right right uh Amber made the comment too that she gets it about feeling embarrassed yeah so let's just see here how do we um so the, the question that's sort of buried in this conversation is how do we ever become better humans than we are now if we aren't willing to acknowledge our mistakes and our failings? So in the case of the state of Alaska, right, we had a, a, a great representative that got us a lot of money for the state, did a lot to improve the state advocated for the state uh, but maybe didn't do it in the best style or manner possible perhaps wasn't the most compassionate of uh, representatives can we are we willing as a populist to be able to say you know yes he he did a lot for us but we'd like our next representative to be a bit more humane is that allowed, right? I think I could probably walk into a room right now of people that would be extremely offended were I to say that out loud, oh. right? Because the whole conversation about this particular gentleman and his behavior is one of those conversations that fall into the category of, we don't wanna talk about that. 
We just want to talk about what, he, what the good things he did. But this is where we run into, into trouble because, as I point out in my book, uh, history books are written by the winners. Right. Which means that in, in and what we've, what we've discovered a lot during, uh, during COVID when people were able to really do research and spend a lot of time reading, a lot of people learned a lot about our history in America that was shocking. Things and ways and, and that people were treated and things that were done that had been conveniently left out of the uh, mass population uh, education. And so if we want to be better people as a species, both individually and collectively, we need to be able to figure out how to talk about the things that make us uncomfortable and the things that are, that are wrong in, in society. And Amber has made the comment, we need to acknowledge our mistakes. You know, that's a big one. It, and it is because we may all be divinity. That doesn't mean we're all acting divinely. And individually and as a society, we need to acknowledge our mistakes. And that's part of the problem is it's uncomfortable. We don't like to admit that we were wrong. I mean, I assume that's a common thing because I've seen it a lot and I had it a lot. I remember when I was in high school, I said at some point, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. And somebody wrote it on the calendar and circled it. On this day, Mary admitted she made a mistake. And I didn't even realize that that was like that big a deal until that happened. And then I looked at it and went, oh, you know, I really do have a huge stake in being right. So that's that's where we have to start. We have to be willing to be imperfect, you know, and mess up. And how do you learn if you aren't messing up and making mistakes? That's how we learn. You know, we don't start out knowing everything, much as I would like to think we do. Right. And you have to make mistakes to learn. And then the, the part of maturing and growing is being accountable for the mistakes you make and being accountable for the effect you have on people, not just the intent, but the actual effect right. and the harm that you do. We have to right. learn to be accountable for that. And that, you know, that's not for the faint of heart. Right. It takes work. And right. bravery and dedication. Right. Right. Well, and 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 really at the core of all of that, it takes self-love. And yes. that is probably the uh, you know, we it, it, it's interesting how ultimately every conversation about what's wrong in the world comes back to this. Yes. We don't know how to value ourselves. And if we're not valuing ourselves and, and truly loving ourselves, not in that narcissistic way, but in a, a, a respect for what we are, which is divinity in form, then we're, we're, we're lost, basically. Uh, Amber shares, as a child, I put was put through the ringer every time I was wrong about anything. It taught me to hide my mistakes or deny them as an adult. And self-love is what helped me come around. And so many people, that is our experience as children, you know. We get punished for, I mean, people get punished for admitting their mistakes. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny, too, because when I was little... Uh, what friends would say about me, mostly, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking in my early teens is when I heard this, first heard this. But then I think I heard it for years after that. It's not that Linda's never wrong. No, it's not that Linda's always right, but she's never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, I think, you know, each of us probably has a desire to be right uh, and, and to do, do well. I think it's our nature that we try to do our best. I think it's, it's built into us right from the very beginning of our lives that we, by nature, try to do our best. We're always trying to do our best. How we get derailed plays a, a lot in how our lives unfold from there, from our childhoods. And the thing is, is that unfortunately, most people experience some form of trauma in their childhood. And then if that childhood, is, if that trauma is not processed, it can become, I don't want to use the word liability, but it becomes basically an injury that we, we're carrying with us. And it's influencing other interactions and other relationships. And again, because we're not nurtured with the uh, with the teachings of self-love I tend I think we all tend to grow up uh, lacking in uh, in things that would help in skills that would help us cope and I know that when I first started thinking about self-love it was easier to think about loving myself when I was, you know, being awesome, Mary. Like, it's easier to love the Mary who makes art or is a compassionate friend or, you know, whatever, than it is to love the Mary who just made a mistake and hurt someone's feelings and, you know, feels down on myself because I did not live up to who I want to be. And that I think is really key is teaching our children that it's okay to make mistakes and teaching ourselves that if we still haven't learned it and like that it's okay to love imperfect Mary who flubs up a lot, and, you know, drops the ball and whatever, all the things I could make a long list right now of imperfect Mary behaviors. Right. Life is very challenging right now. But, you know, the truth is I don't spend a lot of time in that headspace anymore. You know, I know that I'm always doing the best I can. And sometimes this was a learning thing, too. Sometimes my best is awesome. And other times my best is, well, I got out of bed. I got dressed. I got to work, you know. Yay, me! <laughs> the dishes are still in the sink, but right, hey, you know, right, right. So, Amber, Amber is agreeing with you, and she also says, uh, "You'll never value anyone else if you don't first value love yourself." And this is true, because, <clears throat> as I always like to come back to, there isn't anything out here. You know, life is really a hologram <clears throat> and we're the creator of our own experience because regardless of what might be happening to us externally, it is our internal mechanism that responds to those external things. And so ultimately, every experience we have is a result of what goes on inside of us. Right. We give meaning by our reactions. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, please come backwards. There's nothing out there. It's all in here. Hmm. Oh, heck. Maybe it'll come back. It's totally gone. Whoosh. Lost the train of thought. It might come back if you. If I say something. We say something. Trying to remember. What were we on right before the life is a hologram? 
nothing is out there. Well, and we're all trying to do our best. We're all trying to do our best. Maybe it had to do with that. We'll see. Right. So uh, Amber makes a comment, reactions. Linda, you mentioned something I liked. The power is in the response. Um, yes. And that is, that's where, not only is that where our power is, but that is the only place that we have control over anything. It's the only thing we have control over, totally, is our response to, to the moment. Uh, so another part of the question here is why don't we like to talk about things? Why did, why did that start in the first place? How did it ever come to be that this uh, sort of social moral of we don't talk about things? Well, I'm going to take a stab at this. I think a lot of times it's because we just, we don't understand. We either don't know ourselves what the answer is, or we don't understand the situation. But the, the mechanism that comes into play here is our ego. Because our ego has the need to know. The ego really wants to know everything and it wants to be in charge because it sees its role as the role of taking care of us. And when you're uninformed about how your body's working and what role the ego is playing in how your body is working, we mistakenly think that this is us. This need to know is us. And it's not. It's a need of the housing. It is actually not your soul's need. Your spirit and your soul do not need to know these things. Yes. Because your spirit and your soul are really at peace in the moment at all times. It doesn't matter what's happening. Yeah. There is no way to bring peace to your soul because it's inherent. Uh -huh. It's the spark that's connecting you to the divine energy that is all. And so what happens is the ego gets in the way and actually uh, has to deal with our not knowing. And so it creates, uh, it creates a response. And in the case of, you know, why Aunt Jane is a spinster with a, a female roommate, the answer is we don't talk about that. And that becomes the safe place that the ego can go to just say, we just, that's how we just don't. And what we've got now is a society of people who've all accepted this notion that there are all these things we don't talk about. What we discovered two summers ago was that in America anyway, and it actually, it, as a result of what was happening in America, it became much more talked about in other countries as well. But we have a problem with systemic racism in this country to a degree and to a level that it's built right into our institutions and our laws. Yeah. And we're beginning to have those conversations of how do we fix this? How do we repair it? And there are even communities that are having conversations about reparations, right? How do we repair it to the level of making payments to people who have been economically disenfranchised? When, when our housing is confronted with something that makes it uncomfortable, our egos will work very hard to bring us back to a place of comfort. Unfortunately, truth and transparency don't seem to be within that realm. 
Mary, you want to say anything? Just it's very uncomfortable. And I think that what I wanted to say before had something to do with this. And it's still elusive. So if it comes, I will. But just I very much agree about the housing and that the something you said about the the not wanting to talk about it is the housing, not the spirit. And the and also that the spirit, I forget what you said, is not what's uncomfortable. It's the housing. And I think that's what I wanted to say has to do with like um Amber was saying that she's still so reactive sometimes. And I can be reactive too. And also it kind of doesn't matter because it's like, it's a momentary reactiveness and it's like, oh, that's the housing, it's being reactive. And then I just, you know, I have the reaction and I go back to that place where it's like, you know, okay, so that happened. And really none of that has any real significance because my soul and spirit place knows how to be at peace about it. You know, it's like that part's getting a lot easier. Just being able to go to the place of willingness, um, willingness to be uncomfortable because the discomfort is a passing state and the growth is worth the discomfort. Well, I think this is key, Mary, because while it may be a passing state, the ego can turn it into a perpetual state. Yes. Agreed. Right? So the ego can, can go into such a place of resistance that it actually can make the housing sick. Yes. And, and then the housing starts to fall apart or you have to spend all this time dealing with the housing because really what you've done, and we touched on this in the last episode, you've repressed your emotions right. and turned them into something physical. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, and Amber says, I think that spirit would love to talk about it, whatever it is. My understanding is that the ego reinterprets so that we keep it under wraps. Does that make sense? Um, it, yeah, it, they're not necessarily the words I would tend to use, but it, I, I, I see the sense in it. What basically happens is, you know, the ego is the thing that is in charge of keeping the housing going. It's in charge of keeping us alive. That's where the wiring for freeze, fight, or flight comes from, right? We're either going to, we have an instant response to fear. We're either going to run, we're going to freeze like a doe in the headlights, or we're going to fight. Those are our three sort of programmed, hardwired responses. <clears throat> if you don't realize that the housing you're residing within has a mind of its own, then you are really at the mercy of your ego. Right. And again, we're not talking about the narcissistic ego that Freud talked about. We're talking about the actual wiring that is contained within the housing, the body, that keeps it, in, it alive and functioning. People think that <clears throat> these bodies... Uh, exist on their own. And, and that's a fallacy, right? We are being breathed, each one of us. It really is like one of those science fiction movies where you go in and there's a, a big room and there's all those containers with beings in them and they're all, you know, being kept alive. It's not unlike that. We are each being breathed by divinity. And there are a few little telltale things that happen in life that kind of point to those things. For example, when you're frightened, the first thing you will do, and it is not a conscious thought, again, it is your wiring, it's your housing, you will take a big breath. You will 
what that mechanism is, is the body saying to the spirit, don't leave me. I can, I can handle this. The body can handle this. I'm okay. I'm in charge. That's the ego talking. Don't go. Because the minute the spirit leaves us, the body becomes limp. It is not a function of the heart or the lungs or any of that. It is the willingness of the divine spirit to inhabit the housing. And at the moment when the divine spirit says, I'm done, the housing will go limp. Now, that may be in a hospital room after having gone through all kinds of, you know, months of treatment. Or it could just be in the next moment, you know. But the saying that they drop dead from fear is, is, is an accurate statement. Because in that moment, if it was a frightful moment that the person passed out of, they did. They, that was their moment. I've had enough. I'm out of here. And Amber asked, is it the, the mind and spirit that keeps the body alive, which you just sort of were answering? Um, no, really. It, it's, it's the, so it's the soul. I, I like to use the word spirit for the energy that animates the body, but the spirit and the soul are, are combined together. And it is actually the soul, the, the, the life of divinity that chose to come into this housing. And so, for, you know, for those that may not be familiar with uh, the background of how this works, divinity is everything. And at some point, divinity has created various personalities or entities or souls. And we are each a part of that whole wholeness of the universe or God. Some people will call it God. But each one of us agrees to come into form. There is no mistake here. There is no mystery. Each of us to be here in a housing, in this body, in a body, means that you went through a process of agreement and choice. It also means that your exit is already decided, right? It was all decided. It really is like uh, trying out for a play and accepting a part. That's really a lot like what it is. And people will come up with, well, what about free will? Here's the thing. Free will can exist in this, in this 3D realm that we're in. But basically, think about it. If you really tried out for a play and accepted the part, how much free will do you have? You don't. You don't have any free will because ultimately you accepted the part. And so you're here to live the part. Now the part and the quality of the part can change with time and it can evolve while you're here, but it's still the part. And ultimately it'll still take you in the play to wherever it was you were going. And if you decide to exercise your free will in this 3D realm, put down the script, walk off the stage, go off and do your own thing, that's fine. God loves you. Divinity loves you. It's all fine. But you won't have completed the play. You won't have completed the part. And so at some point, there will likely be some sort of a, a reckoning, if you will. And if the part still needs to be played, you may decide you'll accept the part and try again. Let's see. I want to see what Amber is saying here. Um, okay. She says, I'm confused. I thought God created us with free will, which is how we ended up here. Right. I, I'm glad you're bringing that up, Amber, because there is a, there, 
has always been, uh, as far as I can see, a misunderstanding about what free will is, right? Um, again, it's another one of the pieces, I think, of the things that we don't want to talk about. Really telling people that you signed up for a play is, is for many people, probably not something they want to hear because they want to think that they're in charge. This is part of the whole waking up, right? Is that we're not in charge. Divinity is in charge. We're the actors. We're the actors. So we can come here and we can be divine in form should we choose. And if we choose not to do that, it's all still fine. But whatever that play is, it's not getting... It, it, all the actors are not doing the play if some of us are off doing our free will. Does that make any sense, Amber? These are not easy concepts because there are, a, there are the teachings that are out there. There's millenniums of teachings out there that, or centuries of teachings out there that contradict what I'm saying here. Um, and part of that is simply because people just don't know. They don't understand. She's laughing. <laughs> She's thinking. <laughs> um, Mary, do you have anything to add to this? I'm sorry. I'm having a very, like, flighty day as far as thoughts, it seems. Um, Amber says we share a will with God and I think that's something you might want to address Linda it, since we are all divinity it, it exactly actually Amber we are each God that's the truth of it that's the truth of it we are each that's part of the teachings that have, have evolved have somehow separated us from divinity, us from God. Partially because somewhere along the line, there was someone who said, you can't go around calling yourself God, <laughs> except that, that we can and we should, but not without the right knowledge right because what happens is you become narcissistic if you right. go around saying i'm god and you don't have the whole teaching you don't realize that you're a part of a play you're in a play with everyone else we're all god we're all god in action and in form yeah if you're gonna go around thinking you got your god you definitely have to carry with you accountability and accountability for your impact not just your intentions right because no, there's nothing worse than some crazy god going around smiting people without reason <laughs> <laughs> right right well you know it, it, it's funny uh neil donald walsh has a saying your life is not about you it's not a saying it's a teaching your life is not about you your life is about everyone you touch. And so, and he has another, there's another, uh, this might be a saying. I really resonate with this saying. I came to the room to heal the room. And ultimately, that is why we're all here right i think originally like the first humans that came into form they came into form to experience this amazing 3d world that we had created right just i mean this this planet you look around the the galaxy at the other planets that we can see and this one in particular is amazing it's, it's got gorgeous water and it's got land and it's got blue and green and i'm 
waterfalls and flowers and trees and whales and volcanoes and snow-capped mountains. mountains. Absolutely. And Deserts. so, so that was it's why insane. we originally came here, was to experience this. And then very quickly, the relationships between us became confused and befuddled. And that's why the rest of us came, <laughs> right? The, those of us that are here now, we did not come here to experience the beauty and the splendor as our first objective. That is why we're here is to experience it. But our first objective is to help heal it. I also want to say, as far as that quote, you came to the room to heal the room, I would add, and you heal the room by healing yourself. Right. Right. That's also very fundamental, Mary. Thank you for that point. Correct. We have to first heal ourselves. We have to first love and value ourselves. Matt Kahn did a teaching not long ago where he talked about, think of yourself as a beautiful museum, right? And you're walking down the, the, uh, in, in the exhibit rooms and, and how are you treating it, right? If you're the museum, how are you treating it? Did you just smoke a cigarette? Did you just, you know, uh, eat something that you know isn't good for you? Uh, did you, you know, not sleep well because you stayed up all night playing poker? You know, all kinds of, you can ask yourself all kinds of questions about in what way are you not valuing yourself? And that was, it, in many ways, it may be a better word to use than love. This is something I wanted to say. Love is often a problematic word and self-love. So valuing a thing I, I use is positive self-regard and also appreciating. Right. Those words, I think, hit better with a lot of people than love. Right. Um, and the other thing is, he says a museum, but what I said a long time ago when starting on this journey of this type of work was think of yourself as like a precious object. So not the museum, but the thing in the museum. You know? exactly. It's exactly. like, how would you take care of yourself if you were the most precious thing in your world? Because aren't, aren't you, you know, that's the little subtext. Right. Shouldn't I be the most right. precious thing to me? Right. Right. So, Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I also treat, you know, another thing was treating myself like, you know, and you can use your inner child for this, or you cannot, depending on what's easier for you and use someone else that you love. Think of yourself as a little tiny child whom you really love, like right. your niece or nephew or your own child, if you have one or Right. Little granddaughter. Mary, yep. I use all of these things, a pet even, whatever thing that brings out your tenderness. Right. And your positive regard, you know, the, the thing that inspires you, like this, I want to take care of the best way I can. And, you know. And, and what, what's coming to mind are the millions of us who grew up in childhoods where we were not valued, where we were more, where we felt or even were told that we were more trouble than we were worth, uh, that, that we weren't sufficient, yeah. we weren't... Uh, you know, I, I think about even in my own childhood, my mother was a perfectionist and uh, she had the audacity, is the only word I can think of, to take me at the age of two to a ladies' luncheon 
and expect me to behave as a lady. It was one of the most traumatic days of my life. I bet. Uh, you know, right down to knowing what silverware to use. I mean, it, uh, and, 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 and I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't do well. <laughs> I you were too. I didn't do well. <laughs> so, um, I can only imagine what other people have experienced. And a lot of times I think that, um, I think that boys, little boys, uh, suffer even more, I think, than, than little girls. Because so many little boys that I know, I've seen told not to cry, be a man, Anna. grow up. Uh, be a man. Right, be a man. I saw this lady telling a five-year-old was kid. probably four years old in right. the park not to cry, to be a man. And I just wanted to tell her, what are you doing? But I didn't. I would now. That was probably about 10 years ago. Even now, it's not your place, right? It's not my not place, but even now, I don't care. And I would probably say something. Right. <laughs> See, I would be more inclined to say something to the little boy. I probably wouldn't say anything to the mom. But I, if I had the opportunity, I would probably say, just remember that you are divine. And I hope you love yourself. You know, something like that. Because... Uh, a lot of these kids are actually coming in with that knowledge. They're yes. somehow being born knowing that they deserve love and, and tenderness and care. And when they don't receive it, they're learn they, they have better skills than certainly my generation did for getting what they need from other adults. I think it's the collective unconscious thing, like each generation comes in knowing, you know, the addition of all the generations before. So the generation after you and me knows more than our generation and the generations coming in now, that's even a few, you know, more removes so they know even more and it's beautiful i love seeing the little ones who are just like these little light bombs love bombs and they don't even know that that's special right i wanted i wanted to share i had a different experience when i was four and i was taken to a ladies luncheon i think my mom couldn't go for some reason she might have had to go to the doctor or something who knows so i was taken there as being babysat by going to this luncheon with the ladies and I had like her door prize thing and I won the door prize which was this orange and yellow bath like beach towel that I had for years and um it was it was the kind of experience you should have you know it was like I was a tiny little girl amongst all the church ladies it was my mama's church ladies and they just were so kind and and doted on me and treated me like a tiny little lady but not by expecting things you know but by treating me with that regard so it was awesome and you know that's just the tiny little difference, you know, between, I mean, it's a huge difference, but the few years difference between us, but then, you know, the level of capacity of our parents, I guess. I know your mother was severely challenged, let's say. And my mother was far from perfect, but she was, you know, at least had some capacity. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so Amber shares that her brother was two when um, their mom died. So it appears that uh, Amber's mom died the day she was born. Wow. And her brother was two, and no one told him. And that to this day, he's troubled. Um, That's horrible. And talk about, we don't talk about it. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I, I think the, perhaps the biggest takeaway from today's conversation should be that uh, we need to talk about it, whatever yes. it is, whatever it to. is. And, and we shouldn't be uh, making decisions for other people, right? Yeah. Just because it's hard to tell someone when they're two that their mom has died, you need to do it. Yes. You know, I mean, to just let, to not explain that. Horrible. And, and leave a two-year-old to try and come to terms with it. And here we know, you know, here he is decades later and it's still troubling him. And uh, wouldn't it though? I mean, your mom just disappeared. What on earth, what did they tell him? You know, it really makes you wonder. And then, and then look at what it, it I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, but uh, my, my guess would be that it impacted his relationship with everyone else as well through that, because yeah. now you don't know who to trust. You don't know who to believe. Uh, I, I would see it as being extremely traumatic. Yeah. And turning the world into a really scary, unpredictable place. If right. somebody as predict as important as your mom can right. just disappear without a word. Right. No word from anybody. And then this tiny little new baby appeared. Out of right. Blue. Right. I can't imagine what he would have thought. Boy. Right. Yeah. And what the I, kind of trauma that we do by, by not talking about things. Right. Boy. Right. And, and I think, uh, the, the, the idea that this is a scary place could be so uh could it, we could we could change that into a much more comforting scenario if we were to teach every child that you are an aspect of divinity you are connected to the universe you have the powers of the universe and although this may appear to be a scary place, you're always safe. No, no harm can ultimately come to you. Harm can come to your physical body, but that's not you. That's the body you have for the time that you're here. But that's not you. Yeah. You'll leave this body behind and you'll go back into the realm. You may or may not have another body at some point. That's up to you. But And the type of body can change. And I think nurturing that sense of connection to all of creation, you know, like we all came into physical form, you and me and that tree over there and that duck on the pond and the pond, you know, right. like right. everything. We're all an aspect of each other, right? really. And that, you know helps with that whole fear of death thing because if we recognize that our spirit is connected our soul is connected to more than just this housing like it's all and we can see how the world you know it, it keeps going on the flower dies but another flower grows in its place and if we nurture that sense of connection it can assuage that fear as well as just being way better for the whole planet and everyone on it if we all feel like we're stakeholders in the whole thing if we feel like we're you know the whole thing is connected and we're a part of it then it matters to me if that forest is being cut down in Brazil or if pollution is killing, you know, that lake full of fish or if global warming is melting the ice caps and the polar bears, you know, it's right. like, yeah, you get it. I can stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just at about the top of the hour. We sure uh, are. It just clicked over. Just clicked over. <laughs> 
Thank you so much to Amber for being here and being engaged. We appreciate that. Uh, we wish that some others ha uh, had felt the desire to call in, but we're going to keep doing it. Look at this, though. We got through it, Mary. I didn't get kicked out. No, um, and nothing, nothing uh, happened. Nothing happened <laughs> technically. The whole thing worked. Uh, Maybe the, the question will dead. be: we, <laughs> uh, the question will be: Did we get the transcript from Zoom? Well, that's uh, still struggling with that. We'll see. But uh, who knows? Maybe today's the day it worked. That's right. If you've been listening uh, to the podcast after the fact, we do these uh, live every Friday that we can. I did see there's a Friday in April coming up that I won't be able to do it. Maybe we'll shift to a Thursday. We'll have to see what the schedule looks like. But um, we do these live every Friday at 11 a.m. Alaska time, which is uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time and uh, 7 a.m. Australian time. You can figure out all the ones in between. If you'd like to send a question, you can email a question to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. You can reach out uh, to Mary uh, at marylaughsloud at gmail.com. And you can always phone or text me at 907-351-3003. Until next week, thank you again. Bye-bye. Namaste. Bye.